You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. dear ones, are you a psychic reader or intuitive wanting to learn how to access the Akashic records for others? Then you need to check out my Akashic Access class. In this class, of course, we work on you first, but then I will share the secrets that will help you read records for others, and you'll have an opportunity to join me for some extra training on Zoom. You can check out my class on my healing arts school at healingarts.thinkific.com and I will look forward to seeing you there. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey friends, welcome to Healing Arts. So I have an amazing guest here today. My friend Alan Elliott is an amazing author. He's a historian. He's written history books. He writes statistic books, and he's becoming very, very well known for his children's books. And Alan and some other authors have written an incredible book about an important time in our history um, and an incident that happened to JFK and this book called Rescuing JFK. It's wonderful, Alan. Welcome to Healing Arts. Thanks. Glad to have, glad to be here. So I am, you know, I love history, but I'm not as up on World War II history. And it seems that when people think about World War II, we're really only getting a few of the many, many stories. And there's such an inspiring story here about President Kennedy. So I was wondering you to share the story and then and tell us how all this came about. Well, of course, uh, everyone knows JFK as, as our president during the, the 60s, but uh, really the, the incident that made him famous and really moved him forward to being able to become president was uh, during World War II. He was a, a PT boat captain. Now PT stands for patrol torpedo boat. They were 80-foot boats, mostly made of wood. They weren't the greatest boats in the world, but their purpose was to sort of uh, run between the lines and try to find, uh, you know, uh, destroyers and things like that, and uh, and hopefully take them out or at least do reconnaissance. <clears throat> so uh, during that era, he became uh, uh, John F. Kennedy became uh, 
a, a lieutenant in the Navy and went through PT boat training uh, and actually was, was, uh, was signed to Panama. And uh, at the time, his father was fairly famous as an, as an ambassador. And, uh, you know, I think they pulled strings to get him to Panama, but he didn't want to be there. He wanted to be in the action. So he uh, demanded to be put in the action. So uh, he was able to get reassigned to the South Pacific, in specific, uh, a group of islands called the Solomon Islands. And there uh, in the Solomon Islands, uh, the Japanese force was moving in quickly. Uh, 80 years ago this week, they invaded Guadalcanal and there's a celebration going on or a memorial uh, of that going on this week. And so he was then assigned there. And so a lot of uh, Japanese destroyers, uh, uh, boats that were carrying uh, goods and things like that were traveling through the Solomon Islands, which is actually uh, like almost a thousand islands. So it's a very dense, uh, interesting area of a lot of passages and stuff. And so one night uh, he was with a group of, of 14 different PT boats who were uh, uh, looking for uh, enemy uh, movement in that area. And uh, about two o'clock at, at night or in the dark of night, uh, running without lights on, uh, they were, you know, he and his crew were sort of in the middle of, of darkness and couldn't see har hardly anything two feet in front of them. And uh, the Japanese uh, boats, of course, were doing the same thing, running with no lights. And so a destroyer, uh, which is a huge boat next to an 80-foot PT boat, suddenly showed up out of nowhere uh, and rammed through, right through the middle of the PT boat, cutting it in half. And so the uh, half of the boat uh, actually kept afloat. Most of the most of the uh, uh, sailors were tossed into the ocean. There was flames going everywhere, uh, but miraculously, most of them survived. Only two died, uh, and wow. most of them were in the water. And uh, Kennedy and a couple other crew members who were on the who were on the bridge uh, stayed on board and were able to, with using a, a light and everything, try to get people back into the boat. Kennedy actually jumped back in. Uh, to help rescue some of them that were burned. So they were out in the middle of nowhere. The, the, the uh, destroyer left. <clears throat> the, uh, although other PT boats saw the flame, they thought for sure there could be no survivors. And so there was no rescue effort by the United States to find uh, Kennedy's ship. So they were all alone in the middle of the ocean. And so uh, they, for, for hours, I think about 12 hours, they stayed on board until dawn. And suddenly, you know, or suddenly, they just realized no one was coming after them. So they saw a little dot of an island about three miles away and decided, well, we better swim for it because this boat is slowly sinking. Uh, so uh, one of the sailors was so badly hurt he couldn't swim. So Kennedy actually put, a, uh, the life jacket, uh, uh, a string or a, a rope or something in his mouth and pulled the sailor through the ocean, swimming the three miles to the, uh, to the, wow. to the, as it turned out, it was a deserted island, no water, nothing. And so they 
they were they were uh, there on the island, but they had nothing and no way to communicate with anyone. And so Kennedy and another one of the <clears throat> ensigns, I believe, early notes, would swim out into the ocean uh, during the day or night, trying to flag down any ship that went by. But of course, the United States uh, Navy had wasn't sending out any uh, ships uh, in that area, so they were not able to find anyone. So they were stuck on this island with no mm -hmm. food, no water. They licked uh, leaves in the morning to try to get water, uh, you know, to survive. And so they and several of them were pretty badly burned. So they were really, uh, really in a mess. And as it turns out, there is a group of uh, native Solomon Islanders who were working with the allies in a group called the Coast Watchers. They were, they were, they were scouts for the, the Coast Watchers was an organization that had actually started in, the, I believe in the 1920s from the Australian Navy. And their uh, goal or their, their role was to watch uh, the coasts of the Solomon Islands for, for these uh, uh, incidences and for uh, uh, often planes that went down to rescue uh, pilots and things like that. So they had heard that there was a, a, you know, a PT boat that went down. They didn't know if there were any survivors or anything, but they were told to keep an eye, eye for it. So there, there were two, uh, two uh, Solomon Island scouts um, who uh, were in a canoe and they would go from island to island. Oftentimes they would sort of hang off the, the side of an island with their heads barely out of the water to look like coconuts floating in the water and to observe uh, the movements of the Japanese and then report them back to the uh, allies. And so uh, these two uh, Solomon Islands, one was Eroni, Eroni, E-R-O-N-I, Kumana, and the other one was Baiku Gaza. Uh, those two were paired up and they would, using their canoe, go around from island to island sort of looking for what's going on. Well, as it turns out, there's there's a lot more to this story, and I'm just going to tell you that eventually they found the uh, the the uh, sailors on this island, and uh, of course they had a little bit of canoe. They couldn't really save them, but they did find them, and so they took the information back to their headquarters, uh, which is about seven miles away, but the actual navy base was about was another 30 40 miles away. And so they had to uh, then uh, take their canoe uh, all the way back to the Navy Island. But who would believe them uh, that, that they had found these people? So, and what had happened is they had uh, uh, met Kennedy and had showed him how, and they didn't have any paper or anything like that. So they showed him how to scratch a message onto a coconut. So they took this coconut with Kennedy's message on it back to the Naval base and showed it to the uh, to the officers there, and of course the officers there, they had, they, first of all, they had never, well, I think it was actually a, a Marine base, they had never actually even heard of Kennedy, they had no clue who he was, they did, they thought these, you know, and they, so these Solomon Islander, they thought they were trying to get him, get, get him out there for a, you know, to, uh, they, they may be working for the Japanese, who knows, they were maybe taking them in so they get uh, ambushed, so uh, mm -hmm. they didn't know what to do, so there was a long period of time where they didn't believe uh, uh, Roni and Baiku. Uh, and so eventually uh, one of the coast watchers who had who knew about the incident radioed in to the base 
and verified what they were saying. And so suddenly they said, well, we had heard that there was no survivors, you know, but, but uh, Aronian Burke said, no, we can show you where they are. So they got into a, another PT boat and took them out to the island where, the, uh, where Kennedy and his, uh, and his crew were and, and rescued them. Now, the interesting thing is there were two uh, newspaper men on board. Uh, and uh, so immediate, of course, this is a great story, you know, the rescue of, of PT boat crew that was everybody thought was dead, plus an, uh, a fairly, uh, the son of a famous person. Uh, and so it made headlines all over the United States. And suddenly John F. Kennedy was a hero and he was well known all across the United States. Well, of course, this was the, the, when he came back after the war, uh, there in Boston, he, his name was very well known. Uh, so that sort of, uh, uh, and, and with the family name and everything already fairly famous, that, <clears throat> that allowed him to run for Congress. He became a congressman and of course, then moved forward up and up and up until he became, was elected president. So it's a very interesting story. I, I left out a bunch of details but that's the, the basis of the story, how, how and, so, and so in the Solomon Islands, this is a very important story. Right. And of course, many of, of your viewers may have seen, there's a movie about PT-109. There's been a bunch of books about PT-109, but what makes this one unique is, uh, you know, I work with uh, people in the Solomon Islands to write this from the rescuer's perspective. And that's what makes this story unique. It's not it's not from JFK's, you know, when you read the books about JFK, they just mention these rescuers in passing, you know, oh yeah, uh, you know, they helped us. But this book is really about them and about their life and what led to them uh, being a part of this rescue and how that really affected the Solomon Islands and became a part, an important part of their history. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the friendship between the uh, the United States and the Solomon Islands has been solidified because of, of this story that's now 80 years old. So it continues. And, and uh, as I said, uh, this week, they're having a memorial for uh, the 80th anniversary of Guadalcanal. Next year will be the 80th anniversary of the rescue. So oh this, this whole year will be interesting uh, in the Solomon Islands as a remembrance of, of uh, all of these activities. It is. It's so interesting just to, again, just to remember that President Kennedy was such a war hero. I mean, a lot of us, I think, are thinking still about all the great things he did when he was a president. We forget, well, there was a beginning to that, and here it is. And I do love the fact in the book that you've taken it from the Solomon Islanders' perspective, because it's a good reminder that the Solomon Islanders, as well as many other people around the world, have been helping the United States with various activities forever and they deserve to be recognized and I, I would have to think that this is a really amazing um legacy that the solomon islanders today can take a look at so that they can understand their own ancestors better yeah i think so and and i was fortunate you know as a as a u.s based person i couldn't have written this without the help of a creative team uh the the co-author of this is anna anna Kwai. And she is a Solomon Islander, uh, born there. Uh, she's a PhD student uh, in history. And her focus in history is, of course, Solomon Island history and particularly World War II history. So she uh, is 
topic was extremely important and uh, one of the things that we certainly wanted to do was make sure we got all of the cultural uh, pieces of this story correct. Uh, another part of the creative team was uh, Martha Motsky. She sort of came up with the ideas. She is a, uh, a missionary actually over there but and works in the, uh, her and her husband work in the education uh, area helping uh, helping uh, with the curriculum and things like that in the schools to to promote literacy thirty years, and so she knows the Alam story was. So she sort of came up with the idea, helped pair up uh, uh, Anna and myself, and uh, we worked on it. And then a, a, a young illustrator, Evelyn Morgan, uh, did a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, you've shown the just the cover, but she did yeah. a fantastic job in uh, illustrating uh, not just the cover, but all throughout the, the the book, for instance, here in the uh, some of one of the, some of the things I really have enjoyed uh, here is a, a a neat illustration of what a PT boat looks like. Yeah, uh, I love and, that. As well as, as well as a canoe, the typical canoe that they would use in in that area. And plus, you know, lots of uh, lots of uh, uh, great illustrations uh, that that depict the story. Because this is this story is designed for people, uh, for students of uh, about third grade through sixth grade. Uh, so it's at a level that uh, the students over there uh, can uh, can read uh, it. You know, so I, I really have to, to say that this team of uh, four people uh, really, plus uh, the graphic designer, Cindy Rodella Purdy, who put, put the book together and made it look nice uh, really, it's sort of, I guess, a, a team of five put this together and uh, without any, uh, without you know, e each of them brought so much uh, energy and creativity to this uh, project that, uh, uh, you know, we're very excited about it. It's really incredibly done. I like also throughout the text, there's, you've got pull out boxes with more facts and everything. It's just filled with information. Um, in a way that everybody, including myself, thank you, um, can easily digest. I think it's good for adults too, myself. I mean, I think it's interesting. It's just nice to see, as you've said, the tables are spun around. We're gonna get to see the story that we've been hearing so many years about, but from the new perspective is really yeah, very and, refreshing. And at, the, and at the end, there's a timeline that sort of helps you follow uh, all of the events. There's uh, some author notes that give you more, much more background. There's even a, 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 a at the end, a, uh, a QR code you can uh, scan to go to the website that has even more information. So we have uh, links, we have uh, additional information about uh, you know the back the backstory of what went on because obviously in uh, in a uh, children's uh, uh, chapter book we couldn't cover all of the information, but it gives you uh, teachers or anyone else who's interested. Uh, ability to go in there and, and dig down deeper into the story. I think it's incredible for the Solomon Islanders, but I mean, even students in this country, I think, can benefit from just seeing and learning things from this different perspective. It's really well done. Uh, one of the stories I loved is the story about the coconut shell that the president left on his desk. So can you yes. tell us about Well, you know, as, as I mentioned, the uh, the the Islanders showed Kennedy how to carve a message into the coconut and take to the base, and so he got that back 
and uh, he actually had it encased and put on his desk when he was president. And, and it's, it's now in the JFK uh, Museum uh, in Boston, so you can actually see it. Uh, so it's very interesting how uh, that, that coconut <laughs> changed history. Yeah, because you were talking about the fact, he, you know, he was never um, far away from the thought that if it hadn't been for those Solomon Islanders, that he wouldn't be alive. He wouldn't be a president. He wouldn't be anything else. I mean, that really began, I mean, it, it was like the, the secondary chance that he had for the whole life that he was able to lead was because of that. There's a quote on the back cover from Kennedy that says, if it weren't for these two who saved me, I wouldn't be here today. It was 1960, right as he was becoming president. So he certainly gave uh, credit to uh, to those who saved him and was very appreciative. And kept, although he never was able to go back and see them personally, he did keep in contact with them and uh, you know sent information to them and get little gifts and things like that over the years. Yeah, that's really, really neat. And I think you mentioned that he had promised them that he would return, but of course that didn't get to happen, unfortunately. But that didn't one of his nephews or somebody go? Yes, his nephew it? Max returned uh, in two, two, uh, about ten years ago, or so can't remember wow. the, the exact date, but uh, and met at least one of the surviving rescuers, and uh, so that was a very emotional uh, kind of reunion. And uh, so, yeah, they the the family continues to even after uh, President Kennedy died. Uh, continued to keep in contact with them, and uh, so and and Max finally w w was able to go over there and and meet them personally. Well, this is su it's such an inspirational story. I mean, it's just so wonderful. Uh, I love that you've written it. I I think it's an incredible collaboration, and um, I think this one's a hit. I mean, you've got a lot of good hits on your hands here, Alan. Um, tell us about some of your other um, historical books and things that you've written. Too. Well, I've I've written. I'll have your uh, website. Yeah, I've written some uh, uh, local history books uh, for, uh, about here in Dallas. Uh, a, uh, a current book I have is called Texas Ingenuity, which is uh, about uh, Texas inventors and inventions and pe people who became famous in Texas. So it's sort of really sort of, you know, how did Dr. Pepper come about? How did Neiman Marcus start? Uh, most A lot of people don't know that Hilton Hotels started in Texas, actually in Dallas, uh, uh, was the first actual hotel named Hilton. Uh, so there's a, a a lot of things the 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 uh, integrated circuit the chip that that made this uh, telephone that we're using right now work or computers work wouldn't be here without that so a lot of things like that so it's just sort of a interesting series of stories about inventions and inventors and then I collaborated also with a, uh, a historian uh, uh, in uh, at the Sam Houston State University Terry Billharts in writing a uh, uh, really a brief history of the United States, which was a textbook uh, called Currents in American History that was later changed the name to uh, 10 Days That Changed America. So that was a, that was a very uh, uh, interesting project to, uh, to work with him on. And then I have, I have other books, actually I have another book coming out in October called Dreams That Built America. Uh, you know, I talked about Texas ingenuity. Dreams That Built America is sort of about American uh, inventors and inventions and famous people, famous, how, how did uh, companies uh, start, uh, you know, how, and things like that. Uh, and it's a, it's set up as a one a day kind of reading. So there's 365 little short stories of how things uh, were invented or, or uh, uh, 
how companies were started uh, and things like that. So again, it's sort of a daily little inspirational, uh, you know, how did, how did people become successful? So that, that's a fun, I think that's going to be a very fun book and it's coming out in October from Thomas Nelson. That sounds fantastic. Tell us your website. It's uh, com, and that's A-L-A-N-E-L-L-I-O-T-T.com. So two L's and two T's in Elliot. Most people get that wrong. And and one L in Allen. So uh, I'm sure your, your name, my name is going to be somewhere on here, but it's just my name.com. Yeah, we'll have the links below. But yes, believe me, I understand about people not spelling a name properly, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Alan, congratulations. This is incredible. I hope to meet your co-authors and illustrators someday. Um, you know, with next year, you've got the big anniversary coming up. So um, we'll definitely have you back. And I'm just wishing you continued amazing success on everything that you're working on. Congratulations. This Thank is you. highly recommended, everybody. I'm telling you, even as adults, we can still learn and get a different perspective. This is Rescuing JFK. How Solomon Islanders rescued John F. Kennedy and the crew of PT-109. So, Alan, wishing you continued success. Highly recommended. And I'll have the links to the bullet book and to Alan's website below. Thank you so much, Shelley, for having me here. It is my joy. So, friends, we've done it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. So I can't wait to see you next time. So check out Alan's books and have a wonderful week. Journeys Through the Akashic Records is coming out on Friday, July 8th, and I just can't wait. In this book, you will receive 40 guided journeys that span my 20 years as a past life regressionist. You will take journeys to help you find the answers within yourself to some of your life's biggest questions. And if you're up late on Thursday, July 7th, I will be speaking with my friend George Nori on Coast to Coast AM. We'll be talking about journeys through the Akashic Records. So I want to thank you in advance for pre-ordering this book. It just means the world to me. And I will look forward to seeing you soon. Namaste. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady.